of our true calling and who we are in the eyes of Christ our Lord and, and God. Dan, thank you for your words about our farmer's, farmer's market. Gary, thank you for giving me the option to read Revelation or Matthew, and I chose Matthew, so thank you for taking Revelation. <laughs> Derek's sermon title is right on target. It's not in the program. But Derek's sermon title for today was Living What We Say We Believe. Living What We Say We Believe. It's a perfect title. I'm using the same scripture text that Derek was going to preach from, and I'll read it in a moment. But I don't know if he and I would say the same thing. So, Derek, we miss you if you're able to be with us online. And we're looking forward to your safe and speedy return. Matthew 23, if you're able to stand, stand as we read the gospel. Verses 1 through 12, it's page 25. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Therefore, do whatever they teach you and follow it. But do not do as they do. For they do not practice what they teach. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and they lay them on the shoulders of others. But they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move those heavy burdens. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. They make their prayer boxes broad and their fringes long. Phylacteries is the word you're probably seeing in this translation. It's a wooden prayer box that a priest would wear around his left wrist with a band or sometimes on the forehead. And I think the idea was the bigger prayer box you had, the more important you were. They love to have the place of honor at banquets and the best seats in the synagogues, to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have people call them rabbi. But you are not to be called rabbi. For you have one teacher, Jesus tells them, and you are all students. And call no one your father on earth. For you have one father, the one in heaven. Today we would not use that language. We would say parent. But Jesus is telling his followers, I'm your parent. Nor are, you to be, nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. And that's me, Jesus would say. The greatest among you will be your servant. All who exalt themselves will be humbled. But you who humble yourselves will be exalted. The grass withers, the flower fades. The word of God lasts forever. You can have a seat. I think so far, I think this is my fourth time speaking since I've been here, and, and I think I've made fewer mistakes this time, so you all let me know. I was standing in the wrong place once and read a scripture I wasn't supposed to read, and 
Lord knows what'll happen. The Lord knows what'll happen today, but here we are. And so I want to take my words from Derek's title. I got to record this so I can go home and see what I did. Listen to what I did. Jesus calls us to live what we believe. And I guess I should do what Gary encouraged us to do. If you're having trouble hearing me, let me know. I'll speak louder or Lauren can turn the volume up. If you're tired of hearing me, let Lauren know he'll turn it off. But uh, anyway, we'll go on until the sound dies. Living what we believe, telling the truth is difficult. It's hard to do. Let me tell you a story about Bobby and his daddy. It'll tell you about how to tell the truth sometimes. Bobby and his friend Billy are out in the front yard playing baseball like we all used to do as little boys. Daddy drives up after work. Bobby and Billy are really hitting the ball hard. Dad's impressed for seven and eight year old boys how hard they can hit it. And he praises them for their skills and he says, but Bobby, instead of playing in the front yard, can you go over and play in the side yard? I'm afraid you're gonna break the big picture window in the front yard one day playing baseball. So Bobby, will you go play baseball in the side yard? And of course, just like I would have done, Bobby says, sure, we'll play in the side yard, Dad. Two days later, Dad gets a call at work. Hey, Dad, it's Bobby. Bobby, I'm busy. What do you need? I'm busy, I'm in the middle of work. Well, uh, Bobby starts to stammer. Well, uh, Dad, I need to um, tell you something, um, Dad, uh, you remember the other day you were watching us play ball? Yes, Bobby. And Dad, you remember the other day you said something about the big picture window? And Dad kind of groans. Yes, Bobby. Well, Daddy, I'm sorry. We, we were playing baseball and we broke the little bitty one right next to it. So Dad is now excited that Bobby told the truth, but it was the way Bobby presented the truth that gave dad his comfort. Dad is focusing on the worst that can happen, big giant plate glass picture window. But all we did, daddy, was break the little bitty one. Now, daddy would have loved Bob, even if he'd broken the big one, but he would have been unhappy. And I'd like us to think about how many times we, me, have broken the big picture window. And what do you think God says when we break it? I'm not going to give you that answer. You'll have to think through that. I'll give you some ideas here in a minute. But what does God say about you? And what is God feeling about you when you break the big picture window? The problem with my question is sometimes we don't know what the big picture window is. I didn't know I broke that big picture window. God, nobody told me I broke the picture window. How did I? I didn't even know the picture window was there. The rabbis in, Jewish, in Jesus' day were really great about knowing the religious rules. That's why they got to sit in the seat of Moses. There's some debate about what seat of Moses really means, but maybe in the temple there was a special seat reserved for Moses should Moses come back, or a seat of high honor. And you're not going to just get to sit in the seat of Moses unless you're pretty far up the food chain. Jesus reminds his followers, God is not concerned about your power and your prestige and your present. God is not even concerned about the rules most of the time. God is concerned about people. And God knows sometimes you're going to break that picture window, but God doesn't pull out the switch and start beating you with it. God may not be happy, but God says, I want a relationship with you. 
Each one of you, even me. And David, you're not the best rule follower. My second grade teacher could tell you that. But the one day that I was going to get paddled in second grade, the Lord was looking out for me. David Rader and I were sleeping during class and talking during rest time. We had a little nap time. You put your head down on the desk. Well, we were not paying attention in class, but we were talking during rest time. And the teacher, Ms. King, said, okay, Davids, two Davids, I've had enough. Come up here to the front of the class, and I'm going to paddle you with the uh, yardstick. And I thought, this is not going to go well if Mom finds out about this. But David was bigger, so she started to paddle David first. She was giving him some pretty good licks, I thought. Couldn't get away with this now. She gave him some pretty good licks and broke the ruler right on him. And she said, well, David, it's too small a ruler to spank you with. So I was delivered by the Lord in second grade from that spank. In other words, what Jesus is trying to get us to see in this passage is that God is not looking at particular rules for us to follow, but to develop an authentic relationship, an authentic relationship with God. And we do that by telling the truth and by living our faith. Let me get, give you an example of somebody that's telling the truth. This is a friend of mine in my family. His name's Taylor. He's 24 years old. I checked with his mom, or Angie checked with his mom to make sure I could share this. Taylor is a truth teller. Taylor's 24 years old and has been in a wheelchair most of his life. In my wife's family, there's a disease called brittle bone disease, and some people get it really bad, some don't have it so bad. Taylor has the picture window of brittle bone disease. I don't know how many bones Taylor has broken, but now because of that disease, he's 24 years old, wheelchair bound. And he likes wrestling. Hold your judgment for a minute. He likes wrestling. He watches it all the time. He can tell you who the wrestlers are. And one of his uncles, who's not the brightest bulb in our Christmas tree, one of his uncles came in the other day and looked at Taylor. I was there and saw it. Taylor, don't you know that wrestling is fake? Why are you wasting your time watching this fake wrestling? And Taylor, with much more composure than I did, looked at him and said, did you see the last Tom Cruise movie? Mission Impossible, did you see that movie? And the uncle goes, yeah, I saw the movie. He said, well, I'll let you know, Uncle Sam, that's fake too. Tom Cruise didn't do any of that stuff. It's all fake, but you watched it, didn't you? And I thought, good for you, Taylor. You spoke truth to somebody who was missing part of the picture. There's a psychiatrist named Scott Peck. I read his book in seminary, not because I wanted to, but because it was on the assignment list, but it was a great assignment. You can see why I broke a lot of picture windows. In that book, the first three words captivated my attention. I thought, this is going to be some boring theology book. The guy's a psychiatrist. I don't know anything about that. The first three words of the book. The title of the book was The Road Less Traveled, like the poem. And Scott Peck, a psychiatrist, says this, Life is hard. And I thought, yeah, I like your first three words, and it got me going. Another story about an older man, not in my family. You may not follow contemporary Christian music. Some of us like it, some of us don't. But there's a fellow that's been around, not a youngster anymore, named Toby Mack. In his 20s, he was in a group called DC Talk, and they kind of stormed the contemporary Christian music world. As a matter of fact, they were so good that they performed in Stadiums, 30, 40, 50,000 people. Toby Mack is 59. 
And four years ago, he said, I started reading the Bible again. I decided I'd read the Bible from front to back, which is not the way I would recommend doing it. But that's the way Toby Mac was going to start. And he said, I got going for about a month, and then my son died of an overdose. And I stopped reading. I was in a dark place. I wasn't able to communicate with God. And after a period of mourning, months of mourning, without reading the scripture, without praying like he usually did, without doing all the things that he usually does in his life of faith, he said this statement. It's a great statement. He looked up. He said, I looked up at God. I don't know why we always think we've got to look up for God. Maybe God's right there in front of us or sitting down on the floor. I looked up to God and said, God, I'm going to give you one more chance. And then he stopped and laughed and he thought, who am I to give God one more chance? I don't know if Toby broke the picture window, but I do know that God welcomed his cry. And Toby Mac said, then I realized that God, you never left me to begin with. You never left me during my anger and my fear and my mourning at my son's death, that you were always here for me. I think that what you do with the farmer's market is doing what Jesus asked you to do. You're living out your life building relationships. Jesus is offering us an authentic relationship with God. Not a religious framework, not a place where we have to follow the rules. There are guidelines that we probably are safe to use. You can drive 35 in a 35 zone. You can drive 40 in a 35 zone. But sooner or later, you reach a point where the police are going to pay attention. God is not a giant police officer in the sky waiting to catch us and saying, gotcha. I think God is best sometimes understood in the prayers and the comments of children. Boy's praying at the end of his bed. He's telling his mama, I've been praying, but it ain't working. Here's the prayer. God, Aunt Harriet still hadn't gotten married. Uncle Hubert doesn't have any work, and Daddy's hair is still falling out. I'm getting tired of praying for this old family without getting any results. I think that's an honest prayer. Please say... In your sermon this week, Pastor, Peter writes to the preacher, that I've been a good boy all week. I know that God loves everybody. Arnold wrote to the pastor, but he never met my sister. I'm sorry I can't leave more money in your plate, God, but my father didn't give me a raise in the allowance. Could you get the preacher to preach a sermon about getting a raise in my allowance? The Sunday school teacher says to the little eight-year-old girl, who is it? that makes the flowers grow. And the eight-year-old girl says, well, God does it, of course, but fertilizer helps. <laughs> and you remember the story of Adam and Eve, how Eve was made from Adam's rib? Children are listening to that story. Children are paying attention to it. And little Johnny, a child in the kindergarten class, seemed especially focused on that story when the teacher told him how Eve was created out of one of Adam's ribs. A few days later, Johnny's mother noticed him laying down on the sofa 
holding his side. He was kind of moaning, Johnny, what's wrong? Are you feeling bad, Johnny? What's wrong? I don't know, Mama. I don't feel well. I think I may be having a wife. So my point is, God understands us. Sometimes we don't understand the scripture. We're not real sure what Jesus calls us to do. But I'm going to brag on Douglas for a couple minutes and then I'm done. After years of being a follower of Jesus, I'm convinced that Jesus never calls us to be successful. He calls us to be faithful. And that means that sometimes I'm going to bust the picture window up. Sometimes I'm going to get my self-chastised because I was talking during nap time. Sometimes I'm just not going to get it right. But I'm convinced in the time I have been here with Douglas that you are doing what Jesus has called his followers to do. You're feeding the poor. You're helping those outside of the circles of acceptance to be accepted. You are building authentic relationships. And you may not know any of the people. And I may not know any of the people that we're building these authentic relationships with. But Jesus knows them. So I'm going to ask you, are you ever discouraged? I mean here. Do you ever look around and think, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know if we're going to be okay. I'm not asking you to raise your hand. I'm just asking you to take an inventory. I think that the God who comforted Toby Mack when his son died of a drug overdose. I think the God who gives my nephew the energy to push back on his uncle when he's fussing at him for watching wrestling. I think the God that helps children develop their faith is the same God that looks at Douglas and at you, at each of you, and says, well done, good and faithful servants. Don't minimize what your presence here on Sunday morning means. It is an encouragement to others just for you to show up. Don't be worried if you don't always understand everything about the Bible or you flip over the Bible and you think, oh my goodness, what's it trying to say? That's okay. You don't have to know it all. I'll give you one last illustration and then I'm done. I told them this in, um, well, I got about a minute and a half after my illustration. I told them this in our study this morning. We do a study at 10 o'clock. It's a great study. The requirements for being part of our study group at 10 o'clock are come and show up and be able to either drink coffee or water. That's pretty much the whole requirement. And it's a safe place to ask questions, but I'll tell you the story I told them this morning. When I was in my first worship class at seminary, I grew up in kind of a traditional conservative church. We didn't do the church year. We didn't do the calendars of the church year. Today is All Saints Sunday. I never heard of All Saints Sunday in that church. We might put something up at Christmas, usually a manger scene. And so I'm in this worship class led by Iris Cully, who is an Episcopal minister. She is the smartest professor I've ever had about worship, and she's teaching us all this stuff, and I just can't absorb it. And so we turn in our first papers, we write them out, and I am sweating bullets. I'm typing on an old manual typewriter. And I thought, boy, this, this is pretty good. This will get me across the finish line. 
And on the back page of the paper, as was her tradition, Iris wrote a note about our paper, and this is what Iris said to me. Well, David, at least you tried. <laughs> I was not real excited about that. But Iris told me the job here was to be faithful. You'll learn what I'm teaching you. 390,000 people today in Louisville, 390,000 if the statistics are right, are not worshiping anywhere. That's a lot of people out of 650,000. It's about 60% of folks don't regularly attend worship. How do we reach these folks? The ones whose children have died from drug overdoses or who are failing in their first class in seminary or struggling in their relationships or they've broken the picture window one time too many. How do we reach those folks? It is you. You have already done it. You heard Ben's discussion or words about how many meals and lives you touch through the farmer's market. Jesus calls us to be faithful, not successful, and Douglas offers that. In the short time Angie and I have been here, I can tell you, you have renewed our faith and our energy. You have renewed our understanding of what it means to go and to serve and to continue to serve even when it's difficult. And finally, the most important thing that I think you have done for me is that you have allowed me to ask questions. This is a church where we may not have all the answers, but we sure will let you ask all of the questions. So if you're watching online, we thank you for watching online. I told you five minutes ago I had about two minutes left, didn't I? I really am coming in for a landing. Thank you for watching online. You can come to Douglas online, folks, and ask any question you want, and we will be happy to walk with you to find an answer. You don't have to believe everything we believe. You don't have to agree with us on everything. But we are convinced that God loves each of you, especially if you've broken a picture window. Stories told about a pastor who got up in the pulpit and apologized for the Band-Aid on his face. I was thinking about my sermon while I was shaving, and I cut my face. Afterward, the treasurer found the note in the offering plate. Next time, preacher, think about your face and cut the sermon. So, if you have a note to leave today, it will be graciously received by me. I am grateful to be part of a thriving community of faith. I'm starting to tear up a little. Um, of people who truly share the love of Christ. Thank you. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in to the Douglas Boulevard Christian Church Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please rate the podcast on iTunes, retweet the link, or just tell your friends. 
Godspeed until next time on the Douglas Boulevard Christian Church Podcast.